The last chapters of the book of Genesis tell the story of Joseph. Joseph is the young, favored son of Jacob. And some of Joseph's older brothers, jealous older brothers, want to kill him, but instead they decide to be merciful to him and merely sell him into slavery. Now, we, as we read through Genesis, we follow Joseph's rise to power so that we know that he has become second in command to Pharaoh. His brothers have no idea what has happened to Joseph, probably don't care. So years later, decades later, the older brothers are sent by their father, Jacob, to Egypt because there's a famine in the land and Egypt is known to have grain. So the brothers come and they don't recognize Joseph when they come and ask him, for food for their family and flocks. Well, finally, after Joseph reintroduces himself to them and they're fearing for their lives, he says, although you meant to do harm to me, God intended it for good. God used your evil plans And brought good out of them. Well, time and again, I see, and I hope you do too, how God mysteriously brings good things out of awful situations. 9-11-2001 galvanized our partisan nation, even for a short time. Funerals of dearly loved family members often bring families closer than they had ever been. An agitated and declining church decides to split, and then both congregations grow in spirit and in number. God has an amazing ability to bring life out of death. Our passage from Hebrews is complex, but the writer wants us to understand that animal sacrifices related to that old covenant are passé. You know how at the beginning of every year, the newspaper lists for us what's in and what's out. Well, Jesus' sacrifice is in. Animal sacrifices are so last year. They're no longer necessary. Under the old covenant, animal sacrifices provided a ritual cleansing, not only for the human bodies that had been in some way made unclean, but also for cooking utensils, for buildings, for furniture and other materials that helped people in that society distinguish between clean and unclean. I don't think we can comprehend this mindset. It's too distant. But just recognize that that's how their society worked. Now there's a new covenant, an in covenant, a new unwritten contract. This one is not based on daily or annual purification rituals. Once for all, we're told, 
in this Hebrews passage. Once for all, Jesus goes into the central part of the temple and meets God and cleanses us of our sins. Once for all time, once for all people. Jesus acts both as the priest and as the sacrificial victim. Once for all, willingly giving his blood, his life, his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. Now, it's also, for me at least, difficult to understand this mindset of the New Testament church. These writers that a blood sacrifice should be necessary to reconcile us to God. However it worked, what the religious leaders intended for evil when they killed Jesus, God redeemed that anger and that jealousy and brought eternal good from it. This is divine transformation. God's capacity to bring good out of terrible events. It was five days before Christmas when a stranger approached 10-year-old Chris Carrier, claiming to be a friend of his father. I want to buy him a gift and I need your help, said the stranger. And so Chris went with him to the mobile home that was parked just up the street. The driver took Chris to a remote field, claiming to be lost. He got out a map and asked Chris to look at that. And then Chris felt a sharp pain in his back. He'd been stabbed with an ice pick. The stranger then carried him farther down the road and shot him in the left temple and left him for dead in the Florida Everglades. Well, thankfully... An alligator didn't find Chris before a driver found him. He had been unconscious for six days. He miraculously survived his injuries, though he was blind in his left eye. And because he was unable to identify his attackers, the police never could make an arrest. For a long time, young Chris was frightened, even though he had police protection. And then one day after a church hayride, he accepted an invitation to understand and know and trust Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. He recalls that, he says, I was overwhelmed with emotion because I knew I had never really accepted and personally met the Savior. That turning point came three years after his attack at age 10. At age 15, he shared the story for the first time, and eventually he decided to pursue full-time ministry, helping others find the peace he had discovered in Christ. Now, that's not the end of the story. In 1996, a detective told Chris over the phone that a man had confessed to the crime that cost him his left eye. The man's name was David McAllister. Chris made plans to visit the feeble and now blind man living in a nursing home. The strong young man that Chris remembered was now a broken, humbled 77-year-old. 
Chris learned from the detective some of the background of what had happened all those years ago. This man, David McAllister, had been hired by his father to be a nurse for an ailing uncle. And when Chris's father caught this guy drinking, he fired him. And so the attack on Chris had been an attempt at revenge. As Chris now talked to the old man, at first McAllister denied knowing anything about the kidnapping. And then as Chris continued talking to him, revealing more about himself, the old man softened. Eventually he apologized. Chris said, I told him what you meant for evil, God has turned into a great blessing. Chris told his attacker how God had allowed his wounds to become open doors to share the good news of Christ. Chris went home, told his wife and kids about meeting the man who had tried to kill him. And the entire family began almost daily visits to David McAllister in the nursing home. And during one Sunday afternoon visit, Chris popped the most important question he had ever asked. David McAllister, do you want to know the Lord? McAllister said, yes. And as the writer of the article, Adam Myrick, puts it, both men basked in forgiveness as McAllister gave his heart to Christ. It was just a few days later that McAllister died peacefully in his sleep. Chris Carrier says it's not a story of regret, but a story of redemption. He says, I saw the Lord give that man back his life and so much more. I can't wait to see him again one day in heaven. Jesus' story is an even greater one of forgiveness and redemption and freedom and resurrection. Each communion Sunday, we reenact it around the Lord's table. We share not only the fruit of the earth and the vine, we share God's grace with each other as we pass the plates and offer the gift of Christ to each other. Grace is what we receive in abundance. For all those times when we want to exact revenge on someone else, for all those times when we're not loving with our full self, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. For all these times, Jesus has given a once-for-all sacrifice, grace to doubt, and grace to believe. Grace to hope, grace to be transformed into people of love. All are invited to be transformed at the table of Jesus Christ.